Okay, we are finishing up a series today that we've been running since Christmas on the call of God. We've been through all sorts of different calls. And then today we come to one in Acts chapter 9. Now you say, well, we did that last week. That was Paul's call. Everybody talked about with you last week was the call of Paul. Here we come uh, to a different man who was called Ananias. Ananias. The call of Ananias. Now, what sets this up is last week what Levi talked about. The apostle Paul was first Saul. He was going to Damascus to persecute the church. And he meant business. It says in uh, chapter 1, Saul yet breathing out threatening and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord. He, he was going there to threaten and slaughter. And he said he got uh, uh, from the high priest, he got letters or papers. So if he finds anybody that's a Christian, you can haul him back to Jerusalem and remove him from Damascus. Then you know, we said that he was struck down in a vision of God on a road and he ended up a blind man crawling around in the dirt. Right away he came to his senses and he says, if somebody's powerful enough to knock me in the dirt, make me blind, he's the boss, not me. And right away he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And so he goes to someone's house who knows him apparently in Damascus. And he's been there for a little bit of time. Now we take it up in verse 10. Uh, Let's look at verse 9 so we realize. And he, that's Paul, was three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink. He shook seriously and now he's blind He can't see. And he's been sitting in his house for three days. What do I do? What do I do? I can't see. And I'm not going to eat or drink. So it was a radical thing that happened to Paul. Verse 10. There's a certain disciple of Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision. Or that is he sees God by a vision. All right? We don't know exactly how those things happen, whether they're awake or whether they're asleep. Uh, it doesn't matter. God can choose any way he wants, but he does see God. There's God talking to him. He says, Ananias calls him by name. And he said, behold, I am here, Lord. Do you remember somebody else said that? Here I am. Who was that? Isaiah. Isaiah. Somebody else? Here I am, Samuel, right? A little boy named Samuel. And uh, Eli said, if you keep hearing his voice, just say, hey, I'm here. So a little boy goes, hey, I'm here. And God talked to a little boy, Samuel. Same word, here I am. Verse 11, the Lord said unto him, Arise, go to the street which is called Straight, inquire at the house of Judas, or one called Saul of Tarsus, where behold, he prayeth. 
and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And so here is the call to Ananias. He said, uh, we're going to cover the main topics. We're going to know when, we're going to cover where, and we're going to cover what and why in the call of God. All of those things are covered in the call of God. And so uh, when, where, why, and what is what God gives as instructions. Okay. Now, let's get to one more thing. Verse 13, Ananias answered, Lord, I heard many things of this man, how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. So Ananias says, as far as I'm concerned, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. That's his response to the call of God, I'm afraid. Uh, and then uh, I think it's reasonable to be afraid. This Saul was a nasty, nasty man. He's a dangerous man. He's extremely brilliant. He has the ability to argue and destroy people. Uh, he is trained in that. And he's a Pharisee. He's all kinds of things that are hard to deal with. And so he says, here's the when. Arise. That means now. Get up. So when do I want you to do it? I want you to do it now. Get up. Where do I go? I've got an address for you. A street called Straight, House of Judas. And you're going to ask for Saul. So God was long before you had, what's that thing where you put in the addresses? GPS. GPS. <laughs> long before you had a GPS, God said, oh, here's, a, here's the address. I'll give you the address. I want you to go there. And uh, why? Why should we go there? Because he prays. He's praying. That's why I want you to go there. All right. Then what do I do? You're going to heal his eyes. You're going to heal his eyes. That's what you do. So here we have this vision given to Ananias. And it's very specific. It's exact Exact, I'll tell you exactly what to do. And it's very specific. I'll tell you exactly how it's going to work. This is what, exactly what I want you to do. Get up right now and go. Secondly, I got an address. Go right to the house where he is. I want you to go in there. The reason you're going is because he's praying. And then uh, I want you to... Uh, heal his eyes. And my question would be, how do I do that? How do I heal his eyes? Well, I sent a vision to him that a guy named Ananias is going to come and heal his eyes. So just go and do it. Can I do this? 
It's dangerous and I'm afraid. And that's a reasonable call. That sometimes there's a very specific job that God wants done. And he wants somebody to do it. He said, I'll give you an address. Just go do exactly what I asked you to do. And you'll be done. So let's see what he does. Verse 15. God, Lord said unto him, go thy way. He's a chosen vessel unto me. Bear my name before the Gentile and kings and the children of Israel. I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. You think, man, God says, I want that guy to know how much it's going to cost him to follow me. <laughs> you don't start out that way, do you? So you want to be a Christian? You're going to pay for it. <laughs> It takes a very special man, and Paul was that. And Ananias went his way, entered into the house, putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, that was hard to say. He's got papers in his pocket to arrest you. In his pocket. Brother Saul, even the Lord, even Jesus, appeared unto thee in the way that thou camest, has sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, here's my question. Did he tell him that he was going to be filled by the Holy Ghost? That's not what God said. God said, you're going there specifically to heal his eyes. Ananias added on what he thought ought to go with it. I'm here to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Get you filled up with the Holy Ghost. Verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes that it had been scales and he received sight forth of the rose and was baptized. Just like that. And so if something falls off his eyes, uh, one what, what of the things we have cataracts on our eyes, you know, they can't see very good. Well, I don't think it was cataracts. I don't know what it was. Whatever it was, it made him totally blind, and all of a sudden they just fell off. And these little things fall on the floor, and I could see. Now, that worked good. But I want to know why Ananias said you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And God didn't tell him that. Was Ananias stepping out of line? No, if he's a real Christian, he's the honest thing, he's a genuine article, then right at this time in history, people were being filled by the Holy Ghost. That was a brand new thing. And it was a new thing that came into the world on the day of Pentecost. These people were filled with the Holy Ghost. And he said, that's what happened to all of us in Jerusalem. And as the message went out, we followed through the book of Acts, they'd go preach somewhere, and these people would start speaking in tongues. They had the Holy Ghost. And they met a whole bunch of followers of John the Baptist. And they say, what do you believe in? Well, we believe in Jesus and everything. Have you been filled with the Holy Ghost? No, okay, so it's time your time. They got filled with the Holy Ghost. And so Ananias says, everybody else is getting filled with the Holy Ghost. And naturally, if you're the genuine article, you're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost too. It doesn't say anything about he spoke in tongues or anything, but it was a natural, normal thing. Uh, God said, go. Is, is someone I'm going to use. All right, and so receive the Spirit. So, 
His fear is legitimate, but the call is very precise and exact. And sometimes the calling of God is to a very specific mission. Now, the fact that I'm doing this today just surprises me. It's just not what I ever was thinking about. I make out a list of Sunday school topics in the first of January. This is what we're going to do for the next three months. And this one was the last one in line. And it just so happens that it works out to be perfect because it's Palm Sunday. Because sometimes God says, I want you to do this for me. It's what I want done. And really, that's the story of the East Shelby Church. Uh, God says, I want you to do something for me as a very specific mission. All right. And uh, we all, every Christian has the call to serve and share the gospel. Every one of us. Nobody gets out of that. You say, well, I didn't get called, so I've been sitting back and relaxing. No, 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 no. Every one of us is called to serve somehow, find a way, and then part of that serving and, and the serving that we do leads to that, and that's why the church comes in, is to share the gospel. We are here to tell people about Jesus, make sure they understand, and that they can open up their minds to that. And so the church helps us to do that. So we're all called to be involved and to serve and to reach out to other people. We're all called. But sometimes uh, we are to stand up and God gives you something exactly what he wants done. First of all, there has to be a willingness. And so when God says, Ananias, says, I'm here. He's willing. You don't know what is going to happen, but he's willing. And I have been exactly in that position. I remember I was in a service once. There was a missionary there. He was preaching. And uh, he said, uh, if you really want to serve God uh, at the end of his service and everything, at the end of his prayer, so I want you to stand up. And I stood up in the back of the church. Nobody approached me. Nobody said anything to me. I don't have to be approached because God's talking, see? And, uh, and I said to God, I don't know what you want me to do, but I want to do whatever it is. So I stood up and said to God, tell me, I don't know what to do. Tell me what you want me to do. At that time, of course, I was running Bible studies and doing things like that. But then came... A day. Sandy Young came to, I had a Bible study at my house. Sandy Young pulled in the driveway. She said, I found a church. See, I, everybody said, we should start a church. I said, yeah, go find one. Go find a place to meet. And I never thought they would. Where do we look? I don't know, town halls, fire halls, any place where you think there's room. Sandy Young pulls in. She goes, I found a place. I said, where is it? Sandy Shelby. Come on, let's go look. So I came up here with her and David and pulled in the driveway as far as you could get. It was all full with old cars and old trucks, great big huge generator sat by the road. Looked like a junkyard, pretty much. She said, this is it. 
I said, you sure this is it? <laughs> See, I got an address, 5278 East Shelby Road. I got an address. All right, and so God says, that's what I want you to do. Here's the address that I want you to go do it. 5278 East Shelby Road. So you're going to open this church. And I was afraid. I was afraid of something <coughs> precisely uh, that I had no money. I'm running a Bible study. I never take offering. Uh, I work to support my family. I can't possibly take on another mortgage. So I began a series of call them conversations with the owner. I went to see him first and I said, I'm interested in the church there. He says, not for sale. I said, okay, goodbye. And I was in the doorway leaving. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Give me your phone number. So I gave him his phone number and then I left. And I said to my wife, well, that's, that's over with. That didn't work. Three days later, he called me. He said, I want to sell you the church. Let's go look at it. Nine o'clock at night. I said, I can't see. Bring a flashlight. He said, so I came in with a flashlight. You couldn't get in here. Was, everything was piled. Pews were all covered with stuff. Couldn't get up the aisle. Couldn't get in here. I could only get this far in the building. And only one light worked in there. <laughs> he was right. You needed a flashlight. So I got this far. There's a big old piano sitting right here. You couldn't get in. And... Uh, he said, well, there's something wrong with the electric, so I only got one light working. And, okay. So we looked around. And so we began a series of conversations. And he uh, questioned me very intensely. Very intensely. For about three hours. And he said, come back next week. I went back next week, questioned me for three more hours. Back again, about four or five times I went and got questioned for three hours. He wanted to see how much stress I could take. I honestly think that's why he did it, to see how much stress I could take. He said, you know, it's not a simple project. I said, I know, I know. He said, somebody in a group of yours must have money. I said, yeah, I'm not worried about money. That's what I kept telling him. But I kept praying to God. I ain't got no money. So how am I going to do this? I don't know if I can do this. And I remember uh, God, I was telling him, I, if I'm going to sign this paper, and we went to the lawyers and he said, here's our deal we want you to write up. And the lawyer said, nobody can write up a deal like that. That's not any, make any sense. So we, I got my brother-in-law, who's a lawyer involved, and I said to him, can you do that? He says, well, yeah, we can do it. I said, it's pretty crazy, but we can do it. I said, well, do it. So we did it. <laughs> Went to the lawyers, and they all shook their heads when we signed the papers. But before I did that, I was in my basement filling my wood stove. I remember I said to God, you want me to do this? It means I got to sign for another mortgage that I could never pay. And he said, just do it. When? Now. Do it. Do it. So I did it. 
And I signed the paper and I agreed with God that day that I would give away every weekend for the rest of my life. That's what it takes, right? You're going to give away every weekend for the rest of your life. What a pleasure it's been, okay? And so I had no money, but I had an address. <laughs> I had a very specific call to do what needed to be done. And so when I was 33 years old, I was 33 years old, that was a very significant age for me because I got thinking. You've been doing things for the Lord, but you got to do more. And when Jesus was 33, he died for the sins of the whole world at 33. And so you're behind. You got to get going. And so 33, I started it right at that point at 52, 78. What we were going to do, open the church. And uh, second, your service is to me. That's why you're going to do it. I'm asking you to do it. So go do this specific thing. I'm afraid you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust me about the money thing. Well, boy, what a thing that was. Trusting God. And I can see Ananias thinking, if I go and this turns out to be a fraud, I'm dead. You're going to kill me. You're going to arrest me and take me back to Jerusalem. But Jesus said, go do it. So I went and did it. And he turned out to be the greatest convert in the history of the world. The Apostle Paul. And so I came to this place. It was a junkyard full of garbage and junk. And God said, come on, you're going to have to trust me. And I got so after a while, I didn't worry about anything. It's just amazing. We worked here uh, first day. First few days we were here cleaning up. Couldn't get outside and forget about that. Getting inside, you couldn't get in. There was about 300 pallets stacked up behind a church. And the guy who came and first from the town and said, what are you going to do? I said, we're going to fix it up and open it. So you promised to clean the outside? I said, yeah, why? The neighbor's been complaining for years. This is a garbage dump. If you'll clean it, I'll do anything you want me to do. I said, well, what do you mean by that? <laughs> he said, well, uh, those pallets, you get them out of here and I'll give you a, a key to an old dump that's been closed for years and you can just take them there and dump them, which happened to be two roads over. So we hauled pallets a whole day over in the old dump and threw them in there and a bunch of other stuff. So I don't care. You get it clean and I'm with you. I'll help you all the way. And he did too. He helped us. And as we were hauling stuff away, I was stepped outside the door, car pulled up, a guy that I knew. He said, what are you doing? So we're going to fix it up and open it as a church. He said, well, your driveway is all mush. See, I know it is. He said, I'll go get my truck and haul stone all day for you. And off he went. Just like that, the driveway was stoned up the hill, up to there. Just standing there. Comes in, as it happened. And this other guy came in. He says, what, what's going on here? I said, ah, we're here to 
to fix up the church. Well, I had a dream once that this church was going to be mine, and I was going to be an artist here, so I'd like to help. So come on and help. And his mural is now up on that wall you see in the back of Noah's Ark. That was Wazzy. Came walking in off the tree, streets, John Wozniak. Said, what are you doing here? Why, you want to help? Yeah, I'll help. So he started helping. I had a guy come in a couple weeks later after we'd hauled away piles and piles of junk. He said, how much do you paid to work here? I said, same as me. Nothing. Yeah. That's what we'll give you, nothing. He said, I'll do it anyway, he said. And he was a construction foreman in Lockport, and he brought bulldozers here. He brought scaffolding, all kinds of stuff. Crazy stuff happened. And I got to thinking, Lord, you, whatever I need, it just shows up. Day after day after day. It was amazing. And so God said, here's your fear. Afraid about the money? I'll fix it for you. And he fixed it for me every day since then for the last 32 years. And so we opened on Palm Sunday and uh, put a little ad in the paper and the place was packed. People came from all over to see what had happened. They wanted to see inside and they came from all over. And Justin Roberts was 97 years old and he had been part of this church way, way back. Uh, he was a Sunday school superintendent and he asked me to come to his house and visit him. I went there. He said, what are you doing in that building? I said, we're going to fix it up and have a church. Well, it better be a church. I said, it will be. And he came to the opening meeting. He was our guest of honor. 97 years old, sharp as a tack. And he knew the Lord. And he was glad. So God provided a way. Sometimes he has a specific thing. Now, not always. There are people who are called to the ministry, and I believe they are genuinely called, but they're not called to anything specific. I'm glad I'd rather be called specifically, uh, but some guys, they just put their name out and hope somebody calls them and says, come be our minister. Right? Those guys got it rough. I, I wouldn't want to be in that category. When Vera and Annabelle... If you, some of you remember Vera and Annabelle, she was our piano player, and the little two little missionary ladies were here. They said, the church we came from in New Jersey, pastor's been here for 50 years. And I thought, how's it going? It's very good, it's very... And I thought, you know what, in the churches around here, the pastors last for three years. And then they move. Three years and move. Matter of fact, they had denominations telling them, we'll give you three years and then we're going to move you. Methodist, Methodist was one. Alliance, where I was part of, was one. Three years, then you move. I was here three years and I had the first person from the village come. Kids came. Kids were all over the place. But the first outsider from the local town came. It was three years later. And I thought, if I was doing it the way they're doing it, I'd be gone. So I know that God called me specifically here, gave me the address. <laughs> Just like Ananias. I've got a job for you, go do it. I'm afraid. That's okay. Do it. 
and comes with the call. The Holy Spirit is part of the call. I had somebody come here once. said, I could never come to your church. I said, why not? He said, because I have to go to a church that's filled with the Spirit. I just smiled. It's okay. You can go wherever you want. I'm glad he didn't come here. Sometimes you're glad. Because people have such a strange concept of what God is. And they can't see the great heart of God that opens up to all kinds of people. And doesn't ask them to fill out a form, make sure you say the right words so you can be part of this group. No, so I'm glad he went somewhere else. I still love him. He came and helped us do work here. Uh, But he said, I could never go here. It's not filled with the Spirit. I think it is. I think it is. I think it is. So, the specific call of God, very precious thing. And I boldly went and did exactly what God said in the exact place. And he never healed another pair of eyes probably ever again, but he healed Paul. Wasn't that good? Wasn't that good? So that's the end of our series on the call of God. Something new after Easter. Thank you.